Hey everyone, from the Blister Podcast Network, it's All Things Climbing, hosted by Dave Alley. This is Luke. I'm Dave's younger, kinder, classier brother, and I produce the show. I'm recording this right now instead of Dave, because he's busy trying to flush a wag bag down the toilet. Today is the second half of Dave's conversation with pro climber Jonathan Segrist. If you missed part one, you should check it out. While not essential for following today's discussion, it gives you an extra sense of Jonathan's values and where today's answers come from. Anyway, in today's episode, Dave and Jonathan talk about stuff including the importance of adventurousness in climbing, Jonathan's time with Tommy on the Dawn Wall, and how the climbing community can improve going forward. All right, enjoy. You know, so what are you, speaking of like people coming up behind you, what are you, you know, what's your experience been like with the next generation coming up? You know, you mentioned like people coming up to the outdoor scene for the first time and saying, oh yeah, I'm already fit enough to be pulling on 514 and that kind of thing. You know, has that, is that disorienting for you or, you know, do you experience these people as sort of maybe younger versions of yourself or, or is it kind of like a, a totally, totally different scene for them? Um, you know, I, I certainly see, um, well, one thing's for certain is that kids have resources and, uh, kind of a wealth of information and, and knowledge to achieve a much greater level of their own personal climbing that all that is avail is so much more available to them than it ever was yeah. even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them are taking advantage and I think that's like totally rad. Like I never, um, I never want to feel like intimidated or anything because I mean, you know, it is my livelihood to, to some extent I need to like climb well in, in order to basically make money. Right. Totally. <laughs> so, sure. um, but, but at the same time, yeah, I mean the, the main thing that, that, interest me is I'm much less interested in how well these, these, um, these kids climb. I'm way more interested in their character and their willingness to, um, approach challenge and their willingness to kind of digest, uh, failure and digest success likewise. Um, and I definitely, you know, I wish that I knew some of them, a little bit better, but from, from my little bit of experience with, with some of the kind of younger generation. And and by that, I mean like probably ages 17 through 21 or something. Um, there are a couple of them that are like total, like really real gems and like really awesome, have incredible character and have an appreciation for history and having a, you know, and, and are quite humble. And, um, I feel like just, you know, they're like ready for the challenges that, that climbing their absolute best can, you know, offer them. Um, must be motivating to meet people with that kind of psych. Yeah, it is super motivating. You know, I think the I think the one element that, that, that I haven't really seen in anyone. And I've been asking this question to a number of people just out of pure curiosity is like, do you know of anyone who is under 25 who like sacrificed a lot of things. Maybe they're living in a van or in a truck or something and is like kind of living in the dirt and is climbing at a pretty high level. And I don't mean climbing 14 D, but like maybe even climbing 13 plus or 14 A or something like that. And, and kind of has this passion for 
for those lifestyle elements that we've been talking about, you know, just like the campfire and maybe even, I mean, this is kind of next level and I know that this pretty much doesn't exist, but root development yeah. and, um, you know, no kidding. Like, uh, you know, t- touring around, hitting these older crags, like, like who doesn't mind climbing 12 C from 1986, you know, even sure. though he knows he or she knows that it's going to be as hard as a 13 C from, you know, 2016. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that has, it's like, like, I can't name anyone. Like if all, even yeah. all the kids that I know who, who I really, um, really admire and respect their attitude. Most of them are, um, you know, kind of like doing the gym thing and, and getting a month off every now and then and going, to Spain or, you know, wouldn't really, would never be willing to kind of, um, like deal with the pain of, you know, suffering on 512 Mm -hmm. (laughs) as opposed to just like going to a place where they're pretty confident that they're going to do everything more easily or whatever it is, you know? And, and, um, and then also just like we were saying, like that culture of being out and sleeping under the stars and yeah. kind of, you know, telling stories with one another and really like having adventure. Like, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is yeah. there's that sense of, cause it's still very much available. Like it just because oh, there's not a ton of new rock and there's, and you, you don't have to be like developing a new crag or like hiking over some like unknown ridgeline to have an adventure. You can still you know, find it by following guidebooks or, you know, looking at a map. And right. I just don't know how many people, you know, a lot of things are, are laid out for this generation and, you know, it's easy to find a way to train. It's easy to find the gym. It's easy to go to the cliff and, you know, make sure you're on the classic routes and whatever. But I wonder, and and I, and I worry that like that element of our culture of like, having it being explorative and like having like these adventures and stuff, if that's like fading away. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good thought. I I guess I have two, two thoughts that are closely related to that. And to your point about younger kids going out and doing this bolder adventurous stuff, um, you know, the perfect example of that, that I just stumbled across the other day, um, a good friend of mine and I just a couple days ago went out and climbed the, uh, the dub Griffith in El Dorado. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so I'm looking at the, the guidebook reading about it afterwards. And I mean, man, that El Dorado guidebook just like, side note is an incredible, incredible guidebook for, for that type of thing, you know, for totally like notes crazy. on the history and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, it was talking about how the route was controversial when it first went in because, you know, there's some rap bolting, I guess on the face pitch, but then, um, it mentioned how it was also controversial because the first ascensionists, Eric Dube and um, Christian Griffith, were so young at the time when they put it in. They were 15 and 16 when they did that route. <laughs> that's it's crazy. like that's in, first of all, that's <laughs> insane for any era. Right. But like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I've never heard of anything like that going on in the modern era. No, no, I actually don't know. of. It's it's pretty hard for me to name anyone under 30 yeah. who has done uh, more than, you know, has uh, done more than bolted more than a couple routes in the last, you know, 10 years. So, yeah, I also feel like to your point about the adventure thing, I think, um, the whole Instagramification of the outdoors might have this effect where it, it, it pushes people away from that a little bit, because I feel like what we've been seeing, and maybe this is anecdotal and totally off base, but I feel as though there's a, there's a coagulation of climbers around 
uh, certain like classic routes, for example, yeah. like people, um, people are, you know, you, you want to go to Yosemite, you want to climb El Cap. Well, now you don't want to climb El Cap. You want to climb the nose, right? Or, you know, people, you go to Indian Creek and there's basically infinite splitters, like 50 lifetimes of cracks out there. And everyone wants to do incredible hand crack and weigh Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, God, you know, I, I appreciate wanting to do those pitches and like, yeah, there are some gorgeous photos taken of Scarface that make you want to climb it and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like, come on, man. I mean, you know, there's so much out there. You don't have to stand in line for this. You know, you can go do your own thing there. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Anyway, I wonder if uh, I wonder if that's 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 something that we'll have to to really grapple with in the future. I mean, the last couple of times I've been to Yosemite, there's been such crowding on on the nose and maybe in a way where, you know, these classics like let me, let's say like the Bastille crack or um, the five eight North Chimney on Castleton. You know, I think that those yeah. two climbs are they're they're really making a case for themselves as like the most dangerous climbs to be in the country because yeah, it's you know, true. Yeah. I mean, people are just so psyched to do it when they're m- maybe debatably ready. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, man, especially Bastille. I feel like every my mom always keeps me up to date on all the like Boulder area climbing accidents. And yeah. that that unfortunately, that route name is mentioned pretty often. It is, dude. It's so notorious. Yeah. Yeah. And not for any other reason than I think it just has such a reputation for quality, ironically, that people come totally. in and, and try it. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. So one thing that I was um, kind of curious about after, so I think I mentioned in the first email, I, I came and saw your um, your media presentation in Boulder at the BRC, which is awesome, <laughs> oh, by the cool. way. Oh, thanks. And thanks. Uh, yeah, it was super fun. And um, one thing that struck me is, you know, you spent a bunch of time talking about uh, the honeymoon is over and the full done West Bay, both on the diamond, both, both yeah. trad routes, both really hard trad routes. Right. And then um, I think you've also you put up a, a really hard um, 14A limestone crack in is it the fins. Yeah, yeah. I actually did um, two 14A limestone cracks in the fins and one 13D uh, limestone crack. They're all like totally exceptional. Yeah. But the one uh, is called Enter the Dragon, and that's right. like still one of my favorite first ascents of my entire career. So, with all of that being the case, my question for you is why do we, the climbing community, think of you as a sport climber? <laughs> um, I think just. Uh, the majority of the kind of media coverage that I've received and, and, you know, to be fair, the vast majority of my effort has been in sport climbing as well. Um, okay. I, I still, you know, I still totally love traditional climbing and I always will. And like in a very roundabout way, that's actually where I want to drive my career anyways. Uh-huh. I mean, that's the direction I want to go. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, I think I've mostly made a name for myself as a sport climber. So yeah, I mean, very few people know that I've ever done any trad climbing at all or, which is hilarious, or, right? Cause you've done incredibly climbing. hard trad climbing. Um, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you identify mostly as a sport climber or do you see yourself as, as a more all around climber and, and it's just us from the outside based on that media bias that's, that see you that way? Um, I think I, I think I first and foremost identify myself as a climber mm-hmm. um, because I'm just as at home having a conversation. Like I can, I love to just shoot the shit with people, and I am just as at home having a conversation about 
like, you know, track climbing in Eldo as I am about like sport climbing in Oleana. Um, but I think that my, I, I think that right now, at least at this phase in my career, I recognize that my window for climbing my absolute hardest sport routes is not necessarily closing, but it's yeah. some limited. Sure. Um, that makes and, sense. and I've actually made a very conscious effort to push myself into that realm basically as far as I can, um, with the, with the understanding that maybe in two years, you know, my primary goal will be to climb hard single pitch sport routes or to climb walls or to establish, you know, like I'd love to take some of the skills, uh, the like kind of red pointing and, and just general strength an ability that I've gained through sport climbing and apply that to big wall climbing. Um, I would absolutely love to do that. But, yeah. um, and you spent some time in the Don wall with, with Tommy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I was there in 2012 for like six weeks with yeah. Tommy, just trying to decipher those crux pitches on the Don wall. Yeah. Um, I mean, that seems like just the perfect example of bringing, you know, sport climbing fitness to the large format. Yeah, totally. And it was cool too, because, I really felt like I had something to offer. I mean, Tommy's been a huge inspiration of mine for my whole life and, and, uh, and he's by all means, um, an absolutely incredible climber. And, uh, I aspire to be half the climber that he's been, you know, by the time I'm dead, but he, it was cool to go on the wall because I felt like the one, the one piece of, information that I had to provide in the one piece of like motivation that I had to provide him with was, you know, these pitches are really hard and you need to kind of take them a little bit more seriously and actually work on them and, and approach them as though they're like standalone sport climbing pitches and they're not yeah. a piece of this puzzle. You know, I think before I had arrived in 2012, his attitude was more like, Oh yeah, I can do all the moves on these pitches. So I'm just going to try from the ground and we'll just like make it happen. But I was a little bit more wary of like how actually difficult they were. And, you know, training might be required to do these pitches. You know, it might not be enough to be like Valley fit and get through these things. And, you know, you might have to really like go home and like Boulder and, and, you know, he, by all means, he had certainly been training already for the Don wall, but I think that, um, it was cool to exchange that with him and then see him, in subsequent years, even though I didn't join him again for the Donwall, it, yeah. it was cool to see him kind of apply some of that. Oh man, I bet. Yeah. It must've been awesome yeah. to like look at those photos having, having been on the pitches themselves too. You know, it, think, was, um, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I mean, it just looks so gorgeous. Right. And it's, it's always so, it's always so neat to see a photo of a place like that and then be like, yeah, I, I remember what that, what that smelled like or, you know, or totally. what it looked like, like the, just the rest of the sort of sensory experience. Totally. Yeah. And, and it was cool to, even though I played a really small role in that overall effort, it was just cool to be a little piece of it because, yeah. um, because like I said, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me, like how much attention and, and fame Tommy received because of that ascent. It's less important to me. What was cool for me was just having him be like my, like, massive inspiration. I mean, from yeah. my very first 514 was a Tom, my several, basically all of my first 514s were Tommy Caldwell roots, you know, reading about him in, uh, Jeff Aki's book, climb a uh, history of free climbing or history of climbing in Colorado. And, yeah. and just, and just knowing as much as I could about Tommy Caldwell. And then, 
even if I was, you know, one tenth of one percent of the effort that went into the Dawn Wall, it was cool to be like, you know, I helped this kind of legend and like a, you know, a, a driving figure and driving inspiration for my climbing achieve his greatest feat. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that's cool. That's rad, man. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting, we were talking about uh, younger climbers, maybe or maybe not. Um, over time, picking up a sense of some of these these larger atmospheric things with the Dawn Wall in particular, there's, you know, you've got this seven year or so project of Tommy Caldwell's, right? Like sort of undeniably one of the best climbers of his generation. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they send and not long after you have Adam Andra roll into town and get the second ascent in like a week, right? Right. And... I, I think that something that that doesn't necessarily come across clearly in in hearing about all that and some of the stuff that isn't necessarily unpacked as thoroughly as it should be by the climbing media is, you know, that this is not necessarily fully representative of like the gulf of skill that exists between like Tommy and Adam, if that makes sense. Like doing it the first time is so much more difficult than getting the first repeat. And totally. You know, it's yeah. just that anyway, I feel like that's, you know, that the kind of thing where, you know, Adam comes in and does it in a week and everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, maybe this route's not that hard after all and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, just the belief that there is a route there that does go is is incredibly hard to overstate how much, how no, much that adds I mean, to it. I, I, well, there's there's two sides of this that I think are important for me to um mention. And one side is that the route is really really hard. Yeah. I mean, I've climbed a lot of granite. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not just like a pumpy red river gorge, like tufa climbing sport climber. Like I've climbed on a lot of granite, a lot of Alpine granite, glaciated granite, given this was my first trip to Yosemite, but still like, I know difficulty pretty well. And, and the pitches and the crux pitches, especially are really hard. They're really insecure mm-hmm. and they're really scary. Yeah. Like, even, you know, having a bit of experience on walls, it's still like, it's just scary. You're like tense the whole, yeah. I think most people that have ever climbed on El Cap or on Half Dome or on any wall that's, you know, grade five or above, you're basically like tense the whole time. Like you yeah. can't really turn off Man, that's um, so true. in the same way that you could on even like an Eldo route. Well, at the end of the day, um, you get back to your portal edge, right? And you're, you know, only yeah. like only 20% relaxed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that goes a long way. Um, and I mean, having, I mean, just the mere fact, just having a topo, <laughs> Yeah. go to, go to a cliff sometime and try and onsite a route, even just, just, this is a great example of the difficulties between doing something first and having any previous knowledge of it. Go to a cliff sometime and try and onsite three routes, having no idea what they are, where they end, how long they are and yeah. how what great they are right, right and then go to the same cliff and have or go to a different cliff and have a topo and know how many bolts maybe even where the crux is where the root ends how long of a rope you need etc i mean just that difference could be the difference between you doing something easily and you failing on it yeah um, man it's so true and, and i mean you know especially on a route like the dawn wall there's there's a lot of like fixed gear and so you'll watch a lot of the videos of of tommy climbing or anybody climbing in these free routes in no cap and you see them just doing these pitches with like three quick draws in their harness and stuff 
And it's yeah. easy to be like, well, that's not trad climbing until you until you zoom in like a little bit and you're like, well, yeah, but they're clipping copperheads. You know, they're not clipping right. bolts, right? Like I, I have aid climbed climbed on copperheads and I'm terrified. I mean, yeah, I would yeah. never be like 25 feet free above a copperhead, you know? No, and no. so like, let's give credit where credit's due here. You know, totally. I don't think yeah, that that stuff no. is necessarily encapsulated very well. And, no. then, and then given out to like, you know, when it's on a poster at the gym, I mean, so there's something that's so critical that's kind of lost. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, some of those pitch, I mean, yeah, I can say with certainty that I would way rather be placing a double zero Metolius TCU than to clip half of the crap that Tommy had to clip while he was doing that thing. So, oh, God. um, yeah, it's, it's definitely scary. But the, the other side that I also wanted to highlight is that, um, Adam is basically like, I mean, I was really impressed by how quickly he adapted to the mental stress of being on the wall. That to me is the most impressive thing. But as far as his ability to do that route so quickly, like, I, to, in all honesty, I wasn't that surprised. Um, I've, I've climbed with Adam and I know like the things that Adam's done and I've tried or done many of the things that Adam has done. And he is on a completely different level than even the rest of the climbing community. I mean, even, um, even the second best climber in the world, if you will, is leaps and bounds below Adam's ability. And I, and I think a lot of that has to do with his ability to challenge himself, to digest failure and turn that into an empowering Hmm. energy for like a second attempt or whatever it is. And I also think that he's just an example of someone who is genetically really gifted and also has an incredible work ethic. And those two things don't often combine. Like yeah. there's a lot of the best climbers in America are incredibly gifted where they've never had to try very hard to achieve incredible things. Yeah. But for them to get to their absolute best, you need more than just talent. You need to apply yourself and suffer through months and years and years of training and whatever. And Adam has those two things and that's very rare. Yeah. Um, He seems, and just listening to him talk, I mean, I've never met him, but he's really intelligent. Exactly. He seems so thoughtful and just like he has an incredibly high climbing IQ in a way. Totally. Yeah. I think it's, it's so hard to overstate how important that mental stuff is, you know, and back to the whole, like the first ascent and just believing that stuff can be done. I mean, Totally. I remember, God, it was like ages and ages ago, and I forget which film. It was a Chris Sharma film. I forget exactly which one, but maybe more back in his heyday. And I remember there's a clip in it of Danny Andrada talking about what makes him so good. And he was like, you know, he's actually not all that strong relative to the other people who are out here. Like he can't do a one arm pull up and like all this other stuff. And so the interviewer was like, well, why does he climb way harder than all of you? And he was like, I guess Danny Andrada's answer was something along the lines of like, because he just believes that he can do these routes so deeply yeah, totally. that he can just show up and do them. And, yeah. and it's hard to, at the time I was like, what? That's, that's ridiculous. And then you go out yeah. and you maybe think you re-examine your own climbing experience with that in mind. And then you're like, oh, wow. Okay. You know, things like the Dawn wall or things like Lynn Hill freeing the nose. I mean, you know, it really reframes how impressive those, those feats are, you know, totally. when you think about what you need to get them done. 
Totally. And, and it, that, that concept of belief in like, you know, the quote unquote power of yes, I think a lot of people write that off as being like, oh, that's like mumbo jumbo. Like I can sleep and, and I can eat, drink, drink, sleep, uh, this concept that I'm going to climb my first 14, a tomorrow when I'm only a five twelve climber and it's never going to work, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I think that the point of that is more like, it's really applicable when you can imagine all those times in your head at whatever level you're climbing, it doesn't matter if it's like five, nine, or if it's five thirteen. you know, those moments when you're going for the next hold or you're tying into do the route and you have self doubt, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even in the moment when you put your foot on that hold and you say, I don't, my foot's never going to stay there. Even if it's just for a split second, Yeah, that's all time and energy that is taking away from your ability to succeed. And so if you can imagine in all of those moments for someone like Adam or for someone that has really well-trained mentally, every moment that he jumps for a hold, every moment that he puts his foot on a tiny smear or every moment that he ties in beneath his hardest project, every moment he's just saying, and you know, I I don't know this factually, but I'm guessing that most of the time in those moments he's saying, Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yeah. You know, I can do this. That foot is going to stay. I can grab this next hold. And man, there's a genuine surprise when you slip off. Yeah, exactly. Eliminating that kind of hesitation is way more valuable than most people think at any level. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to address that problem in the gym too. Totally. Yes. Because you never feel a sense of insecurity in the gym as you do outside. Right. Last question for you. What is something that yeah. you think the climbing community does really well? And, and as kind of a, I guess the other side of that is what do you think that we could be better at? Um, <clears throat> well, I think the first thing that comes to mind and what the climbing community does really well is that we, you know, I know a lot of people that are in their early thirties who maybe just, um, moved to a new city or got a new job or whatever. Uh, these are the type of people that I kind of grew up with in high school and they don't have climbing and they, they can spend months or years trying to find a group of friends. Um, they can spend a really long time trying to develop a new identity or a new kind of, uh, relationship to a place, um, and a purpose outside of just like, you know, sleep, eat, do laundry, go to work, go to bed, watch TV, check Instagram, you know? And I think that climbing gives people like a reason, you know, a reason to love the outdoors, a reason to look forward to the weekend, um, a reason to make friends so easily. I mean, just the fact that I can go into any climbing gym in the world and it's not just because I'm like a professional, it's just, this happened long before anyone would have known my name, but I can go in any climbing gym in the world and I can have a friend in 15 minutes. And that is really unique and really special to climbing. And I think in the community aspect, I think that, you know, we, we climbing, it's a challenge that we approach together and it draws us together so easily. And Mm -hmm. I totally love that. Yeah. Um, as far as what I think we could do better, um, I think, I think that the main thing that's been on my mind recently, as we spoke about a bunch during, during this interview is just this concept of mentorship and, you know, this idea of listening and, um, kind of appreciating the people that have more experience than we do. 
yeah. more experience in any given discipline of climbing and furthermore more experience just like being a person in this world you know or whatever it is and uh and i think that there are times when i could use help with that certainly mm-hmm. but i think that in general i think that you know i th- i just think it's important to understand the history of climbing to understand the characters and um the values that basically brought us to where we are now in climbing and and think critically about you know like we did a really good job of mostly eradicating the rampant uh um uh manufacturing and chipping that was happening in climbing because we were good as a community of saying this is this this in this degree is certainly unacceptable you yeah. know and we did a really good job of kind of choosing as a community we don't want that anymore but these are the things that we still want from the 90s or from the early 2000s or whatever it is right. you know and i think that we can do the same thing it's just that we need to just continue that conversation with okay what did we like about the two the 2000s you know like what were the good things and what were the bad things oh maybe the bad things were like you know not knowing how to poop in nature and you know bringing your boombox or you know like <laughs> totally. giant tick marks or whatever and okay cool let's eradicate those things because we've decided as a community that we don't want those but let's keep the good things like you know awesome gyms a great place to train you know like right. whatever it is these new areas that we've opened or the new in in you know I don't know. The yeah, new, like maybe we're going to allow people to rat bolt in certain areas and stuff like that and not <clears throat> exactly. like totally go in and chop their their development. And... Exactly. Yeah. But I but I think, you know, in order to make those decisions, we have to have a clear line of communication between the 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 generation before us and the generation ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a tall order, man. It's, it's intimidating for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Thank you so much for, uh, for spending so much time talking to us today. It was, um, it was, it was really, really great to talk to you. I, I admire both your climbing, but also, you know, your larger contributions to the community a lot. So, um, it was really awesome. great having you on. Yeah, man. Likewise, Dave. And, um, I totally enjoyed it. It's really cool to talk about these a little bit like more difficult topics and to really think critically about climbing in its direction and, um, and yeah, it's, it's important to me and I think it should be important to every listener too. So I, I think it's cool to have these conversations and really decide together like what we want. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to catch next week's episode as soon as it's out. And if you like the show and you want to help us out, just find us on iTunes and give us a rating. Have an awesome week. Awesome week.